Alrighty, guys. So, uh, welcome back to another episode of Adventure Fit Radio. Before we get into the proper intro, this is another intro that I recorded because I had to let you guys know that with this particular episode and possibly a couple into the future, we've had a little bit of cutting in and out of one of our mics. So, we do apologize for that. Um, the shows we have recorded with the little bit of um, mic failure were all recorded in one day. So, we didn't know that the mics were. Um, playing up a little bit and as we had great conversations throughout this problem we didn't want to try and re-record or anything like that Um, we wanted to give you what we have Um, we don't think it's too bad so please bear with us Um, we are um, trying to figure out which mic is the one that's broken and then we'll replace it Um, but yeah one of our mics drops in and out a tiny bit so please forgive us and uh Here's the next intro. Thanks. Alrighty, guys. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Adventure Fit Radio. Coming to you, not live, but coming to you direct from South Melbourne, our studio here at HQ. uh, It's looking pretty shabby at the moment. There's a bed in the background there. There's a dog roaming all around the place. And uh, I'm currently naked. Guys, this week on the show, we have Jared Fleming. So, Jared Fleming is a very good friend of the show. He's actually a very good friend of mine personally and Bill's personally. After having um, spent a really good week with him down in Mexico in, in Playa del Carmen and in Tulum, we uh, became really matey. He's, um, he's a very good weightlifting athlete uh, for those that have no idea who he is. So, he's, a, uh, he's an American uh, record holder. He goes back and forth with uh, Kendrick Farris, probably the most decorated weightlifter um, of all time from America, he's um, he's uh, he's killed it over there. I think from memory, he told me under ninety four class he had clean and jerk two hundred and a one seventy five ish snatch around those levels. So pretty fucking strong. But also too, he's just a really deep dude. So a lot of the time in um, over in Mexico and and through the podcast, we um, we spoke a lot about meditation and, and spiritual um, and his spiritual journey and. And, uh, you know, moving that to a more Western standpoint, how that sort of helped him um, on the platform or in a CrossFit workout or just with a general life and anxiety and all that stuff and stuff that obviously, as you know, Bill and I are very, uh, very intrigued with. Um, so, yeah, this is a really great show. And plus, it was just really good to catch up with a, uh, a close friend again. So, guys, this episode is brought to you by Quash Creative, which is Elwood-based down in, uh, down in Melbourne. So this is a uh, this is run by a friend of Bill's, Sean Marsh, and his sole aim is to solve business challenges with creative solutions. Whether that solution is a new website, logo, or marketing strategy. So if you come to him with a problem, he'll work out the most effective way to solve it. And what really sets him apart, guys, from other designers for websites, etc., is his unwavering focus on making sure your business is tightly aligned to your customers' needs. So. Mention Adventure Fit Radio when you call up Shawnee or jump onto their website and Shawnee will give you a free basic SEO report on your website or feedback on your existing brand. So guys, head to www.quashcreative, that's Q-U-A-R-S-H creative.com. We are also sponsored to you, (laughs) fucking hell, we are also sponsored by Audible. So guys, Audible, I've just jumped into, because I'm writing a book at the moment in case you haven't told, I keep trying to fucking market myself at every, uh, every turn here. But uh, I'm reading a book about pitching, so how to pitch um, 
any sort of business idea or business goal to, to someone you need to. Even even just to get a raise, all that stuff, guys, super important. So how to how to make the best pitch. I'm also reading uh, Writer's Guide and The Artist's Way, which are two books that are gonna help with my writing and uh, and just overall, you know, finding purpose and all that sort of stuff in my life. So I'm listening to that, excuse me, um, on Audible. And Audible is a genuine game changer if you if you want to get all that information when you're on the go. So I still read at home, but when I'm driving or, or doing stuff on the move, I can still get a book in, which is awesome. So guys, head to www.audibletrial.com forward slash radio and you will get yourself a free credit or book download once you sign up for their subscription. Alrighty, without further ado, here is the show. Now before we do this, Let's go over the ground rules. Rule number one. No touching of the hair or face. And that's it. Yo. Discovery Roger, go for deploy. Where did we come from? Some kind never even considered for mass production. Too weird to live, too rare to die. Welcome back to uh, Adventure Radio. This week we are sitting down with a close friend of uh, of the two hosts. We have Jared Fleming. Jared, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, guys. How you doing? Very well. Very well. And uh, we were just talking about how... You're going to introduce me, bro? Yeah, I know. You're not even letting me in. I know. He's, He's trying to kick me out, Joe. He's trying to kick me out of the whole fucking system. So welcome back oh, to... Oh, Bill, you're there? Oh, hey, Bill. What's up, man? <laughs> welcome back to Adventure Tom Radio. So this week on the show... <laughs> now, how are you, Bill? How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. That's a good intro. You're getting better. Yeah, I'm slowly getting better. Thanks, mate. Uh, so, Jared, how's, uh, how's the CrossFit Open going, mate? Hey, uh, it's been fun, man. So this is... Uh this is my first open, so it's been uh, it's been a good experience. Um, it's been it's been fun. It's been good. The biggest issue was I ended up uh, I got I came down with bronchitis uh, right before we all went to Mexico. So mm. going into the open, uh, I was uh, I had just been kind of going through that. So my uh, my my cardio was a little off, but uh, but it's been fun, man. I, I've really enjoyed it and uh, and getting after it, man. Tommy sure. was um, Tommy was telling me that he he had the better of you in uh, in a few of those workouts. Jared. You're not telling me you're making excuses for the. Uh, for, oh, for d- that's exactly what I'm doing, dude. Yeah, I can't. Uh, I, 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 asked, I asked Tom. I asked Tom what his best time was, and then I, and he beat me, and I was like, "Well, fuck. Well, I'm sick, bro. So fuck yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, I've had bronchi- bronchitis since yeah. I was born. Pretty Tom, much. You are the weakest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I've, uh, I've been uh, living with walking pneumonia since I was ten. So fuck yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, fuck off. Still managed to clean a joke more than your house. <laughs> that's good so hey i want to know um so for, for anyone uh listening out there obviously probably um think of jared fleming who, who's obviously where who you are they're thinking of you as a um american champion weightlifter so you're obviously doing crossfit this year how, how did that all come about um i mean it was you know it was kind of interesting uh, i was i remember i had surgery and um, right after, well, shoot, it was, uh, right after Christmas of 2015. So basically the beginning of, uh, what did I say? Yeah. Uh, right after Christmas, 2015. So 
basically the beginning of 2016, I had surgery on my knee, uh, for my ACL and my meniscus. And, um, I just remembered, uh, as I was doing physical therapy, I was just, I had been toying with the idea of, of playing around with CrossFit at some day in the future, you know, mm-hmm. uh, while I was still lifting. And, uh, I just remember being in the PT office and I was doing some, you know, general fitness stuff. And I asked my therapist, I was like, you know, I'm thinking about doing CrossFit. What do you think? And he was like, he's like, why would you want to do that? Like you're great at weightlifting. And I was like, well, it would be a chance to do something different and, you know, just become a, uh, a good athlete again, you know, and not just mm. be so specialized. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I just thought about it, you know, while I couldn't do a lot and I just, uh, was ready for something different and, um, give my body a new challenge and, um, just, just take some time from strictly doing weightlifting and, and just become an athlete and CrossFit, you know, not only is going to help develop me, you know, as an athlete again, you know, not that I'm not athletic, but just build up, you know, some general athleticism while still doing a lot of Olympic lifting stuff. So that way, when I get back into lifting, you know, say about a year from now, mm. you know, it's not like I've been just sitting around, you know, just running marathons for a year, you know, I've still been doing a lot of lifting. Mm. So it's, it's a chance to do something different that's challenging, but still, uh, improve my lifting, uh, from where I was right after surgery. And it's also a a really good way just to take it back. And like you said before, start something fresh again, where you, you're not so, so good at it and just, you know, re re relearn a new, a new skill or set of skills basically. Is that, Mm -hmm. do you think, do you think that helps like, um, keep you mentally fresh for your, like, um, re-entry into the world of weightlifting considering obviously like, cause you've been lifting since you were, Fuck, straight out of the womb, nearly. So, do you think is it like a, <laughs> is it bit of a bit of a mental um, bit of a mental help to kind of keep you motivated for this next getting back to you where you were at? It's a boy. Oh, oh uh, with, with, it's with a boy the, and a barber. Yeah, that's right. No, you, a, a lovely, healthy boy and a, and a lovely, healthy, healthy and a, barber. And a healthy barber. We're not sure the gender of the barber, but well, I mean, we originally thought it was a dog. We, we've never seen this before, but uh, whatever. Yeah. Oh no, that's um. his penis. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could say it was that big, but you know, not. Many women have been disappointed. <laughs> true, true. This is true. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, honestly, I would say that it's that it's mostly mental. Um, yeah. And and uh, I was talking to you know Matt Frazier. I mean, we so Matt Frazier is a pretty good friend of mine, and and we we talk here and there. And uh, I remember we were talking. This was probably a couple months ago now. And and we, you know we we're having this conversation. What I was saying to him, and you know what I've been kind of telling most people is it's like. You know, when you get to a certain level in weightlifting and you have a catastrophic injury like that, um, mm. coming back, I mean, you're literally coming back from nothing, you know, you know, nine months, not without hardly doing anything. Well, no, I wouldn't say nine months, but six, seven months without mm. doing much of anything, you know, you're, you're kind of starting over and, and the, the thought of going from, you know, breaking American records and, you know, and, you know, being right there to make the Olympic team. And then starting over scratch where, you you know, you can't hardly do anything is really mentally, um, I mean, it's depressing, honestly, mm, you know, if sure. I just cut through the yeah. bullshit. Like, it's depressing to look at where you were and, and look at where you are now. And so for me, doing CrossFit was an opportunity to uh, increase my lifting, you know, uh, bring my numbers back up in weightlifting, but without the focus being on improving my weightlifting. Yeah. So I would be doing a lot of snatches and cleans and jerks mm. and squats and deadlifts and things like that. Um, along with a lot of other stuff. And so the beauty of doing CrossFit is that every day I'm getting, I'm getting better at something, you know, mm. like I'm getting better at, you know, muscle ups, I'm getting better at handstand pushups, I'm getting better at double unders, 
And at the same time, uh, my lists are going back up. And uh, instead of comparing my numbers to uh, like say, you know, today I snatched 140. Well, shit, my best is 175. So that's not very good. But instead now it's like, okay, well, you know, I snatched 140. That's great. Like, Mm. Um, because the focus is on doing CrossFit, not weightlifting. So the, the reference point is different. So it's definitely, uh, a mental, it, it's a lot, it's a lot easier mentally to kind of tackle it this way. Mm. And I think it's honestly better for my body to, um, reintroduce, you know, lighter weights, higher volume, um, and just do some athletic, athletic type stuff after, you know, 15 years of, of predominantly weightlifting and then six months of, of not a lot. I think jumping back into trying to lift heavy weight all the time uh, would actually be slightly detrimental. So mm. CrossFit's like a beautiful bridge between getting back to being, you know, at the top of my game in weightlifting, um, but also uh, keeping in mind that, you know, I just had a pretty substantial surgery and mm. trying to ease my way back. So it's been definitely mentally, um, probably mostly mental, uh, uh, benefit, but also physical as well. Would you um would you say that the ultimate goal is Olympics? Moreover, let's say the CrossFit Games, or are you starting to to like CrossFit so much that uh, you can see yourself perhaps doing both, or, or committing to to, to to one? Yeah, you know it's it's really hard to say. Um, honestly, I'm I'm really kind of, and you know I've been doing CrossFit now for three months, and uh, there was the one month there where I was dealing with bronchitis, and mm. I really didn't do much. Um, I was just trying to keep my fucking life together. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so really, I've, I've I've been doing CrossFit now for for two months, pretty solid, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, but it's it's too early to say um, where I see myself going. I, I definitely um, it, it, this is interesting. You know, I'm going to kind of take it a little bit of a different direction. But one thing that I've noticed now, which is really cool, is that. Um, so after doing weightlifting for so many years, I, uh, I just, it just become, became second nature being in the gym working out. And, uh, now in the last two months, I've predominantly been doing CrossFit stuff. And, uh, what I've noticed is that on the days that I go in and I just focus on weightlifting, um, I get this sense of, of just real stillness, you know, and what, you know, you'd almost call it Zen, just mm. really an extreme sense of being in the moment. Um, and, you know, I, I've always felt that, but never really stepped back and appreciated it or really noticed it because I was so used to it. Mm. And that's the one thing that I find in weightlifting that I haven't noticed in CrossFit is like in CrossFit, you know, you're, you're in the moment because you're in a lot of pain and you're trying to just get through it. But in weightlifting, it's like you hit that lift and you sit down and there's just a stillness of mind, you know, waiting mm. for the next rep. And it's something really beautiful that I never really appreciated like I do now. And, uh, I re I really enjoy that. Um, and I've really enjoyed, the days that I just do weightlifting now because I have a deeper appreciation for that. Um, so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say exactly which direction I'm going to take things is, you know, whether, you know, whether I just find that in the next eight months, I really love CrossFit or if I find in the next months, I really love weightlifting. Um, so it, it's a little early for me to say exactly where I see things going. However, um, I would say that there's, there's a really great chance that, uh, weightlifting will become my primary focus yep. again in a year from now. Just because I, you know, it's been it's it's truly my passion, mm. um, and I I definitely think that you know in a year from now doing CrossFit doing something different, I think my mind and my body are going to be in a, a point where um, I'm definitely ready to get back into weightlifting. But I'm not going to put the cart before the horse because yeah, you know, I, honestly, not really sure where my mind will be at then. You know, who knows? I mean, in a year from now, I could be 
great at great at this CrossFit thing, or I might absolutely suck dick. So I mean, that, you <laughs> well, know, I mean, that's irrelevant to CrossFit, but that's irrelevant to CrossFit. However, he could however, be living in uh, could be living um, in, in Chile, yeah. Jared as well. Yeah. Could be living d- deep down in Patagonia, just being a full nomad, like uh, a couple of conversations we had over there in Mexico, having a uh, dick sucking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting concept uh, you spoke about before, um, in terms of you know being in the Zen. In weightlifting, I guess, and some people would definitely um, argue this point with me, but I think to some degree weightlifting would be harder mentally because the actual period of, of motion and moving the bar or the actual sport itself is done within three seconds. It's like it's so hard not to psych yourself out, but like with CrossFit, at the count of three, two, one, go, you're just on and you're not thinking about anything else because you're in so much pain. Obviously, the better athletes out there are, uh, are uh, able to, um, to push themselves to the brink with sort of the mental you know, abilities they have in a, in a wad. But I still think that weightlifting, just walking up to a barbell, that's in your head, that's in your head. Lifting, it's gone two seconds and then you've got to go for the next one. Walking back, that's in your head, it's in your head. Like what are some of the, some of the you know, the, the, the things you do, apart from meditation, because we'll, we'll definitely get onto that um, later, but some sort of things you do just to prepare yourself for, for that sort of stuff because it's fucking really tough. Yeah. Um. And so what's interesting is like, you know, I think that, you know, I've really, you know, we talked a lot about this in Mexico, um, but I, in the last ye- uh, year, well, since surgery, really, I've really d- dived into meditation and really um, tried to understand a lot of, you know, just just the concept of meditation, you know, understand it as well as practice it. And mm. I think that um, over the years from through weightlifting, I, I actually learned to meditate naturally without ever knowing that that's what I was doing. You know, that that sense of being in the moment and having a still mind between reps um, I always had that and never knew that that really was kind of a form of meditation, you know? Mm. And I think that, um, in order to be great at weightlifting, you need to have, you have to kind of have that because exactly what you're saying is where you psych yourself out in between reps. You know, you do the one rep and you're sitting there anxious and, and nervous about the next one for two minutes while you're getting ready and your, your mind is racing and your body, your heart rate is up and you're not actually able to, recover um your creatine phosphate system because you're so anxious the whole time so your performance suffers so great weightlifters tend to develop that naturally um and they they have to otherwise they won't necessarily be great weightlifters so the biggest thing that uh was on my side is one i I, i've done it since i was a kid and so just over the years you know that's just kind of something that i i learned inherently just because i picked it up at such a young age but the biggest thing that i would say that helped me to develop that was um, I always listen to, and a lot of people don't do this or, or let me, let me phrase that more people do it now than they used to. Um, but I've always listened to music since the time I was probably, you know, 13, 14, 15, uh, while I lifted weights or at least between sets, because it gives you something constant to focus your mind on. So it's, it's very difficult for people to just clear their mind when they're like, or meditation, you know, clear their mind when there's nothing going on. But when you give some type of consistent stimulus, you can stay focused. So like listening to music and just really listening to the music and nothing else and just focusing on that song is a way to train your mind to, to stay focused on one thing instead of you do your lift and then you're like, oh, well, what if it feels heavy? Well, what if what if my grip slips? What if what if this? What if that? And your mind is just racing. So listening to music help, helps me to develop that um, sense of staying uh in a consistent mind frame and staying, uh, keeping your mind still on one thing. So that helped me. 
Yeah. I mean, you hear a lot of people, um, I mean, we're kind of talking about that inverted U hypothesis of, of motivation or whatever it was called. Um, <laughs> arousal, arousal. And um, I have no idea what you're on about here, bro. Uh, I hope our listeners do. Is, okay, go. Yeah, so okay. Like talking about how there's like a subjective amount of arousal before you uh, you perform a skill in a sport. It's like how, you know, Jared's level of arousal um, is obviously going to be different when he looks at me as opposed to when he looks into a, a cute girl. Yeah. <laughs> true, though. I'm pretty... My arousal... <laughs> I'm aroused at the thought of this yeah. thought experiment. So much aroused. Too much aroused. So much arousal right now. Yeah, we're all, I think we're all aroused. Uh, so I'm clearly built more more than others. Um, yeah, no. So you know, walking up to a, a platform to to complete the skill, your uh, level of arousal may be different to mine. But what I've noticed, just by looking at the best out there, like you look at Michael Jackson. Jesus, all kind of good, shit. Good, good Michael good Jackson. <laughs> Michael, Michael Jackson was around all the time. Yeah. Some way, uh, yeah. Sorry, do you want me to cut this whole section out or we'll start again? No, no, like no, no like, go on, go on. I'm, I'm just joking. About, so Michael Jordan, Arnold Schwarzenegger, all this sort of stuff. They're, you'd often see them joking around and mm. talking shit, all this sort of thing. Um, and that seems to be, I think the best way to go about until just before you're about to approach the bar or get onto this, you know, the basketball court or whatever. And then they're just right to the moment because they haven't had all that cortisol build up and haven't had all that thought thinking about, oh, fuck, what if I miss? What if I miss? Just being super relaxed. I don't know. Can you shed some light on that? Well, I can, I, I, my, my, just before Joe jumps yeah, yeah. in there with his thoughts, my, my way of thinking club, that was what I think I felt like was my in-between sets was yeah. straight banter. Yeah, that's like all. The, that's exactly yeah, right. Because, and one of the reasons, one of the reasons why is because there was four or five platforms, and they were all pretty much squished right up to yeah. next to each other. They were. You've you trained there, and yeah. then, and then there's two people on every platform, so. Yeah. It's not a big gym. Everyone's no. in each other's faces, and yeah. you're just chatting away. You're chatting and, and throwing banter around the room. Exactly. And yeah, I think maybe for me that might have been work, like, mm. work to your point because I never had a chance to. When I used to train by myself, I train like shit. Yes, yeah, and probably I'd just be sitting down there waiting for the next rep, probably overthinking it, like Jared was saying. You know, mm. like um, yeah. What about you though, Jared? What do you think about the old um, using Plus. banter as a <laughs> banter as a form of um, keep your mind off things? Yeah, I, I think that's great. It really depends, and there's a fine line, and I'll give a couple examples. So um, so Kendrick Ferris, I mean, he's arguably pro- arguably yeah. the best weightlifter uh, in America that we've ever had. And, uh, and Kendrick and I have been competing against each other for several years now. And so and we would always go back and forth. At least his, his credentials uh, are certainly out, supersede mine. But uh, we've competed against each other several times, and we've gone back and forth, and we've both beat each other a couple times mm. on our best days. But one of the things I noticed with him is that uh, – when he's in the back uh, warming up for a competition, at least before um, before he gets ready to compete, he's laughing, he's joking, he's talking with his buddies. Uh, but as soon as the, everything starts, you know, he he dials everything in, and it's just you know, it's just him in the bar. Which so for me, it's very similar. You know, like uh, in competition, I, I'm a I'm a little different than that in that you know, I'm not really joking around and laughing even even before that. You know, I've kind of got my headphones in, and you know. Uh, I'm not thinking so much about the competition, but I'm just trying to keep my mind on the music and, and not get too hyped up. Uh, but it, but as far as training goes, I, I think there's a, a fine line between talking and chatting too much as far as like having too much downtime and too much relaxation. And then there's the, the other side of that where there's no talking at all and everybody's hyper-focused the entire time. Because really, you can only stay 
a hundred percent intense, intensely focused for short durations of time. You know, yeah. it's like any, it's like anything. It's like your body, you know, you can only go out all out at a hundred percent for a short period of time. It's the same thing with your, with your mind. You know, you can't be razor sharp focused for that long. So, um, like what I know, what I, what I, what I tend to do. So when I trained at muscle driver, um, and we had all of us there training on days that I didn't, I wasn't going super heavy. Um, and I didn't need that hyper focus, you know, I would be kind of laughing and joking around between sets and, and, you know, and just getting the work done, you know, having fun and getting the work done. Yeah. But on those days where it was like, man, like I'm going to need to get my shit together to make these because this is heavy stuff, you know, like I'll get in there, you know, and I might joke around, laugh around for my first couple of up sets. But as soon as I, you know, start, you know, climbing up there, you know, like maybe my third warm up in, I'm putting my headphones in and I'm just focusing on just being in the moment and getting after it. So um, I think there's just a fine line between chatting and getting after it. Cause what I, what I'll see some people doing is they'll, uh, you know, it'll be a heavy day and they'll be joking around between sets, you know, at their heavy weights. And then the next thing they know, they've been talking for five minutes They're cold, they <laughs> missed their weight. So, um, there's a fine, yeah, there's just a fine line there really. No, you're right. Absolutely. And I, I think the gym's got to recognize that as well. Our gym was always a boisterous gym, which was good because it made people want to come to the gym. We weren't all elite athletes, you know, we were all your regular um, guys that just love weightlifting. So I think it was a good community environment for the gym, but then like on heavy days or even slightly heavy days, like the room would know when to go silent. Oh, yeah. you, as soon as you stand up from your seat, you're, you're, you're out of your zone of uh, prepping yourself and you're walking up to the platform, everything will just drop, everything will go silent, you'll have your lift. Like So I think... I think there's definitely yeah. there's definitely ways to do it right and do it wrong, and I've definitely done it wrong a lot of times as well, where I've just been goosing around, and one of the coaches has to be like, "Oi, dickhead, shut the fuck yeah, up!" Yeah, so, yeah. So you know, well, but um, everyone's <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that that's a great that's a great point, you know, and, and there's really there's like a <laughs> there there's like a there's an etiquette in the gym, you know, in, in a weightlifting gym where you don't see it so much in CrossFit uh, because CrossFit there's there's it's more consistent work, you know, it's not lift, rest, lift, rest, but there is an etiquette in a gym where you, when you know, someone's going heavy for them, um, everybody stops kind of what they're doing. They kind of, they turn their attention to them and they quiet down and they, yep. they allow that person to be hyper-focused. So there is that, there tends to be that etiquette in the gym, which, which is a really, which is a really good point. And I, and, and basically it all comes around back around to what Tom said, like there's different, different levels of arousal and you kind of got to figure out what, what yours is, you know, like, do you perform better? You know, are you really an an anxious lifter, and do you simply perform better laughing and joking around mm. um, because you know you take the pressure off, or do you laugh and joke around too much that you're never focused? And do you need to stick your headphones in, you know, when you're getting near the, the top so that way you can focus in? And I think that um, athletes who want to get better just need to be real with themselves and know who they are. You know, like do, are are they talking too much that they can't focus, or are they too focused that they need to just chill the fuck out and yep. and you know. Uh, smoke a joint and, and yeah. snatch a barbell or something. <laughs> smoke yeah. a joint, snatch a barbell. That's good. You, we should put that on a t-shirt. Let's go. Smoke a joint, snatch a barbell. Yeah. There you go. Oh, That's awesome. Hey, snatch uh, a joint, smoke a barbell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Um, that'd work too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, Jared. So we talked about um, you talked about finding out that um through the, the the older you got you kind of figured out that you were kind of getting into a bit of a meditative state when you're lifting all the way through your your childhood now obviously that's because you've you know you've started to dial that in and you've started to really delve down that path and we had some great conversations over in mexico that i wanted to kind of bring to 
our audience, obviously. So um, the forefront of the conversation, Bill. Uh, there we go, Tommy. Yes. Um, and then, um, yeah. So basically, for me, I've been talking about um, on the podcast a bit about all these different things to um, help me with my um, mental health, try and create a stronger mind. Some of those being. Um, I uh, wanted to try ayahuasca and psilocybin, so um, psychedelic treatments for um, anxiety and depression. And um, also, um, one of the big things, uh, uh, one of the big things was also a silent meditation retreat, so vipassana retreat. And you've done one of those. You were the actually, you're actually the person that, the first person that I saw that made a post or, or a big announcement that you'd done this style of meditation and that it had changed your life. And when I, obviously, I wrote to you on Facebook there and. We we're going back and forth, and you were just, mate. It's 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 mind-boggling what it's done to me. And then we've obviously discussed it in Mexico. Um, yeah, like what got you to go from someone who wasn't a big meditator to a ten-day sign retreat? Tell people what got you there and, and what you actually did. Yeah. Um, so it's really, it, you know, my story is interesting, and this, and it gets a little personal, um, which I, I don't mind sharing um, as far as how I ended up getting there. So. Mm. Uh, me and my, my girlfriend, um, we had been together for five years and we had been living together and, um, I mean, we were actually engaged. Uh, so, so we were technically fiancés, but, uh, we'd been together five years and, um, we ended up splitting up, uh, things just weren't working out, whatever, whatever. But even going through that, um, we were both very concerned about each other's well being. you know, it wasn't really an ugly breakup, but, yeah. Uh, I was in a, a pretty rough place, I guess. I didn't think I was, but I, you know, but I was mm. hindsight looking back now, I, I can see where I was at and I was definitely not in a good place. Um, and my ex, um, she signed up for this Vipassana meditation course. Um, and while I was actually planning on heading to Asia, which I did go to Asia. Um, and she said that, you know, she's like, I really, uh, highly recommend that you do this. And I was basically at first, I was like, no, fuck that. There's no way. Like, I don't want to do anything with you. I don't want to be like, I don't want to be around you. Like, yeah. like not, not in a negative way, but I was just like, I don't want to be, you know, I want this, I want to kind of go separate ways. And, yeah. and I was really honestly, for whatever reason, and I, there's no necessarily necessary, there's not necessarily logic behind it, but I was deadly afraid, like deathly afraid of doing it. Yeah. Um, just sitting there 10 hours a day, um, and just being there with your thoughts, I, it honestly just freaked me out. Extremely daunting, and, um, for sure, oh, yeah. I reckon, for, on, oh. my, on my behalf. Oh, really incredibly daunting. so. Yep. And, um, and she just kept talking to me off the ledge, and, and huge props to her. I, you know, I, I have the highest respect for my ex because she's just a phenomenal person. And even after break, you know, split, going separate ways, she just really encouraged me to, she's like, you know, it's going to be fine. Like, you, this is really going to be good for you. Like, you know, you just really need to do it. And, uh, so I was signed up and uh, I did it and uh, we bolted it together and, you know, I was nervous getting there. And um, and then once I got there, I, I kind of, you know, the anxiety had kind of went away and like I was there and I was just going to tackle it. And um, I mean, so that was how I got there. You know, she she had convinced me to do it and I had been already starting to meditate on my own, you know, maybe 15 minutes a day right. occasionally um, just to kind of relieve some anxiety in the moment. And I had kind sure. of found my way into meditation a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, but nothing to, to that extent. Yeah, right. Um, so, and then we'll, so, so yeah. for people that don't understand Vipassana too well, from what, I, from, what I, from what I understand, it's 10 hours of meditation daily and it's a silent retreat. So basically, the, for the most part, you're in your own thoughts. It, uh, is, am I correct in um, remembering there's no books, no real external stimulus and stuff for the whole time that you're there or...? 
Yeah, yeah. There's abs- there's absolutely nothing. You know, there's you can't. You're not supposed to bring anything to write with. No notebooks. No, no read anything. You know, you don't have your phone. You don't have anything like that. Um, you're not allowed to talk talk to anybody, touch anybody, make eye contact with anybody. The only person no, no, that you I can contact. talk to. Although I suppose eye contact no. is weird when oh, you yeah, when, so when you're not saying it. You try to have a conversation. Well, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Well, that well, eye contact is a form of communication. It's body yeah. language, um, yeah. and that's what they're trying. They're trying to get away from all forms of communication uh, beyond just verbal. Wow. Um, and then, so the only person that you can talk to is there's a um, there's a like a I'm not sure what you don't want to call them, but uh, like your guru, right? The person who's there, kind of leading everything and, yep. and helping you. Um, you're you're able to ask, go ask them questions, and it's supposed to hey be man, completely related. What's going on? How have you been? What's going on? What's your favorite yeah, What's your favorite I gotta movie? fucking talk to somebody. <laughs> yeah, talk to me, please. Yeah. <laughs> Make love to me. Yeah. Look me in the eye. Right. So, so how? Like, but you can only ask questions that are related to like the course, or because the idea is to just not speak the whole time, right? Right, right. So what they tell you when you get there is that you should you should pretend that you're there by yourself and right. there's no one around. And honestly, you know, after you've been there for, you know, a day or two, you really do, you know, you're there with people, but you forget that you're there with anybody because right. you're completely, you're not, not interacting with them. So there's people around, but they might as well be not, not there because you're not communicating. So, yeah. you know, even when you sit down to eat right next to somebody, like you completely just are ignoring the fact that that they're even there because there's no communication, you know, which is beautiful the way it's set up because you can be there with people and feel like you're completely isolated, which is the point. Mm. Interesting. And would you say um, would you say that it was quite difficult uh, of, a, of, an, of an exercise to go through? Because for me, like I, I struggle to meditate for more than fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes is like, and I know I need to, and I. I'm always trying to throw in a 20-minute session, you know, once a week and then trying to... I, I would like to ideally be meditating for 20, 25 minutes twice a day, but I am not at that point now. And one of the reasons is it's just... It feels just fucking hard to me still. You know, I meditate every day, but like some uh, some days I just I just don't have it in me to go really long. So like how do, how do you actually mind and body, how did it work for you to actually get that amount of meditation in per day? Yeah, you know, honestly, um, and I remember we, again, you know, a lot of these things we talk about in Mexico, which I'm really glad that we get the opportunity to to share this with our people. But Mm. um, I remember telling you, you know, you asked the similar question and, you know, what I, what I told you then and what I'll say now to everybody else that's going to be listening to this is that I don't remember that as a hard experience. You know, Mm. I, I worked very hard while I was, you know, and doing everything that they told me and being as dedicated to the practice for those 10 days as possible. And honestly, I was very highly motivated because as I got there and as a couple of days went on, I realized how much of a struggle that I had been in. And I was very motivated to find the answers to my problems and come out a better, you know, more whole person. And I absolutely did that. Um, I was so incredibly motivated to um, better myself and understand my situation that I did everything they said without question and worked my hardest. And I don't remember it being a hard experience. So like, for example, going to the gym every day for, you know, or six days a week, two sessions, you know, every other day and working out like that's hard, you know, but yeah. sitting there for 10 hours a day wasn't, it wasn't hard. I mean, it was, I worked hard, but I don't remember it being hard um, because you learn to just, 
you just don't stop, you know? Mm. So, and I think a lot of athletes have this mentality. So anybody who already has this mentality will find that this course isn't that hard. Cause, cause if you can just learn to just keep going and not give up and not stop, you'll be fine. And you just, you just sit there and you just, you know, there, there will be feelings of, of anxiety or feelings of boredom or feelings of, I just want to get the fuck out of here. But you just kind of come back and you just say, Hey, like I'm, I'm here for 10 days. You know, I'm just going to do my best and I'm just going to keep going. And you just sit there and you just, you know, you, you keep going. And it's, um, for some people it's, it's, it's difficult. And there were people who left who just couldn't handle it. Um, but I don't remember it being a hard experience, you know, mm. um, to be yes. honest with you. So, mm. yeah. but one more thing, one more thing on top of that though, um, kind of coming back to what you said is that, so, uh, I meditate one to two hours a day, every day, one to two sessions. So I'll meditate anywhere between, uh, one to four hours a day, every day. Oh, um, man. yeah, it, <laughs> right. Crazy, so and it man. typically, it typically tends to be on the one to two hour, uh, duration a yep. day, not four hours. It just really depends. Um, and, and, and it's helped my life tremendously. But the thing that I've noticed as well is that it's much harder to be dedicated to meditation at home or, or let's just say in the real world, quote unquote, mm-hmm. real world, mm-hmm. um, yeah. than it is at these meditation courses, because it's like when you're there, you have nothing else to do. So yeah. the, your only, your only purpose is to meditate and do your best at meditation. Mm. But when you're at home, it's like your purpose now becomes, I don't know, your family, your work, your Absolutely. training, um, you have, okay, I have fucking bills I have to pay today. Mm. I have this, I have that. And when you step away from all of that and your sole purpose becomes meditating, it's easier. Yeah. So, yeah, um, and, and, and something, so, uh, slightly shifting gears a little bit here, but, but it all comes full circle is, um, I've, uh, really started listening to a lot of stuff, uh, that Ben Bergeron says, cause I really, um, I like what he has to say and he sounds like a man that has his shit together and I've never met him, but I've talked to him over the phone one time, uh, a while back about something, um, about a, a competition or whatever. But, um, mm-hmm. he sounds like he's got his shit together. And one of the things that he said, and, uh, I just recently started keeping like a journal as far as writing down, um, like uh, quotes that I like or things that I like to reread kind of like the, the daily stoic. It's a book that has like 399, uh, meditations, things that, uh, to read every day to, to kind of keep you, uh, uh, in tune with what's important. Mm-hmm. And Ben said something that I wrote down that I thought was phenomenal. And it's, and it was that, uh, don't let things that seem urgent get in the way of what's important. So like an email might seem really urgent, but is it really that important? You know, whereas yeah. like, you know, going home and spending time with your family is important, but does that seem urgent? Maybe mm. not. So one of the things with meditation is like, is it important for me? It is, but does it always seem urgent? Not necessarily like mm-hmm. finishing this email or finishing this comment on a post on Instagram or posting on Instagram. Like these things seem urgent and they can get in the way of what's important. Mm. And, um, so I've, I've really, that's really resonated with me. And I, I've, I heard him say that on a podcast about a week ago and I've really been trying to keep that in mind every day. It's like, you know, it's like, well, should I meditate? I'm like, I don't want to. I kind of got these other things I got to do. And then I'm like, hang on, what's important here? And I'm like, yeah. all right, so I'll go sit down and meditate. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That's a great, great way to look at it. What do you think about, um, what do you think about, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll ask you why do you meditate for so long in the day as, as compared to, I mean, obviously a lot of people think that 20 minutes is a quite a good, quite a good um, time domain. If you can do that twice a day, then you, you're doing pretty well. So obviously you've gone um, well above and beyond that. Why? So what, what benefits do you see in going in on such a, such a longer meditation per day rather than just trying to get 20 minutes times two, for example? So the way that it, that 
to my understanding, and this is the way, and, and when you take the Vipassana course, they will explain this to you as well, but it's like um, meditating for 10 to 20 minutes is is really good um, and it has its place, but, that's, but its place is just to um, clear the surface level of your anxiety, clear the surface level of your stress mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Right. Whereas meditating for an hour to two hours, you get, you go beyond that surface level of, of daily anxiety and you really start to dig deeper into the roots of why you have anxiety, the roots of why you're stressed out, like things from your past, things from your childhood, um, things that uh, just inherently within you that you've developed over your lifetime that cause stress and anxiety and long, uh, long stints of, of meditation, uh, are what help you to dig deeper. Um, and basically like, uh, um, just go in and uproot those deep seated things that cause anxiety. So meditating for 20 minutes is good to alleviate this. So it's like this, right? Oh, yeah. 20 minutes is based more on alleviating the symptoms, mm-hmm. uh, long-term stretches of meditation, uh, try are curing the disease. Wow. That's a really good way to look at it. It's it's funny because you hear these people, uh, after speaking to you, I spoke to a bunch of people um, about Vipassana retreats and then I just seemed to be speaking to people that everybody I spoke to was like, oh yeah, I've done Vipassana. I've mm. done it two, th- two, three times. It's one of the greatest things I've ever done. Mm. And um, so one of my buddies um, that I spoke to about Vipassana, he said that, um, I said, well, what did you get? He said it was the greatest experience he's ever done in his life and he's done it three three separate occasions. One of the things that, What's quite interesting is he said, and this is not my actual point that I'm trying to raise, but one of the things he said was he had a rush of euphoria. It was like he was on some sort of what I, what I imagine heroin would be like when you yeah. just jack up. Like He just said that from head to toe, he just had these rushes of absolute euphoric feeling through his body for like four hours one day because of the energy in the room. He just said it was, it was fucking crazy. He goes, I yeah. can't explain what was going on. I had to ask my teacher. I said, I just had, you know, so crazy things like that. But he also said, one of the things that he said that never really made any sense to me was he said, yeah, it was amazing. It totally healed my relationship with my mother. Mm. I'm like, was, what do you mean? Like, was your was mother- it was to it, begin with? Or? Was your mother- Yeah, he had like a shitty childhood with his mom. Yeah. Like, he, he was a bit of a problem child or whatever, right I think. You know. I don't really know too much about it, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't ask, you know, go that, that deep into it. But I, I was kind of confused. Like, what do you mean by that? Like, was your mother there with you? I, I don't think she was. Obviously, mm. she wasn't. But obviously, he'd worked through the problems- that he had with his mother from his point of view in his head so well that he could kind of move on from that. When he got back, he built this bridge with his mother and then yep. him and his mother have this amazing relationship now. Jeez. So is that kind of to your point, Jared, of like really having the time where you have nowhere else for your brain to go so you can kind of really work deep down on, on all that stuff? Like that's obviously, that, that's, is that what happened with you when you are over there? Yeah, that, that's 100% what I'm talking about and that's absolutely what happened. Um, you learn that nothing in the world causes causes issues yeah. for you. The yeah. only thing that causes issues is your perspective of the things that happen to you. So, like, and and I had the similar thing. You know, my my mom and I, and she'll probably end up listening to this podcast. So I'll be careful what I say. But um, <laughs> she's very attractive. But my mom, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she's the best. She's the greatest mom. I love you. Um, yeah. So I want a new barbell uh, but no, for Christmas I mean, and uh, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, Probably and uh, give birth to a barbell. Just, just like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I mean, honestly, I had a very, very similar experience to to what your friend had, and uh, because I had a very rough, uh, my mom and I had a very rough relationship uh, during my childhood, um, and uh, I was able to 
understand her perspective a lot better mm. and come to, come to terms um, with things just by going back and, and looking in. And med- meditation at that level um, tends to make you um, quit looking at others as your source of problems and look at yourself and why you're causing problems for yourself. And then you kind of look at other people and, and start to understand their perspectives um, and like, like meditation makes you introspective, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it makes you introspective for others. Meaning like if someone acts a certain way, instead of getting pissed off and upset because it makes you feel this way, mm-hmm. you stop and you flip it around completely and you look at that person yeah. and you think about maybe what they're going through and then you're like, Oh shit. And then, so instead of being mad at them, you actually start to feel for them and it's like the complete opposite. And so that's how I was for my, like for my mother, like I was able to stop and kind of look at her perspective and, and move beyond a lot of those things, um, through this, through this meditation. And it goes, and it goes beyond that as well. I mean, there were other things, but I had a, a very similar experience and doing longer meditations, um, during the day helps you to kind of uproot those similar types of things versus you, you just can't get that deep in 20 minutes. You know? Yeah. So for, for yeah, sure. how deep did you go? during the uh during the meditation course like i know you and i have spoken about it at length but um it'd be good to just sort of retouch on it again how how did you be going you know did you sort of have that sort of spiritual awakening that people talk about and and things like that yeah yeah i um i yeah and i don't and i don't talk to a lot of people about it because people don't really it, it's like this right um and i also uh I'm, so I'm rereading The Power of Now, which is a phenomenal book, and I and I recommend everybody read it. And I know we talked about it. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that he, you know, I just picked it up again the other day, and I'm rereading. So I read the book before I did this Vipassana course, um, and I'm rereading it now again after. And the things that he that resonated with me before are resonating with me even stronger. And one of the things that he says is that um, we tend like, and, and I'm going to butcher the way he said it. He says it beautifully, but. Uh, he says that uh, we believe things to be true, um, but you don't know things to be true, meaning you can only know something when you've experienced it. So a lot of the things that I read in the book before, um, I believe to be true. And a lot of the things now when rereading it uh, after the meditation course, I know to be true because I've experienced a lot of these things. Um, and, and honestly, like as far as the depth that I went to, you know, someone – you know, a couple of questions I've gotten is one person asked me, did you find yourself? And I had to stop and think. And, and another person asked me like, oh, did you find God? You know? and, yep. and honestly, like uh, finding yourself and finding God in a way are, are very similar in that, you know, God not being not being a person, but God being like a state of like just of just uh, sheer essence and sheer being. And um, so, you know, I I definitely found, you know, myself um and I would, you know, honestly say that I found, quote unquote, God and God's not always the best word to use because God has is such a label that people have, so, you know, so many attachments to when, you know, my vision of God isn't any anything. It's completely God would be the unmanifested. Mm. It's it's this this source of of just life of being um, it, it's, it's impossible to describe because it's. Mm. It, the brain can't understand it. You can only kind of experience it and feel it. And, um, I would say that what I felt in the experience I went through is that of, you know, of, uh, you know, and I, and I'm honestly nervous about talking about it because these are things that can be very, um, misunderstood and misinterpreted yeah. for anybody who hasn't felt or experienced it. So yeah, I try to absolutely. be very careful with how I word it because, sure. 
you know, if, if someone hasn't experienced or felt these things, they may, you know, want to argue that my point or, or whatever. All, all but, the um, heads have already tuned out, Joe. Oh, yeah. I reckon they've already, yeah. they've already skipped, yeah. to, uh, skipped to Joe, back oh, to Joe Rogan. <laughs> yeah. So, so I would definitely say that I, I learned who I am. I feel like I found a deeper purpose of life. I would say that I experienced what it feels like to be connected to God, the universe, the unmanifested, impo- like whatever you, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I went from believing things to be true to knowing things are true. And, um, it, it was, uh, probably the most, uh, profound experience of my life. And a lot of the feelings and and things that I went through there, um, are things that I'm really doing, working hard to, uh, make a part of my everyday life. The feelings of absolute sheer peace and bliss that I felt during and after that course are things that, um, I want to be in my everyday life. And that's why I meditate so long because mm-hmm. in meditating like that, I have those feelings of just peace and oneness and connectedness and that everything is just, it's, and, and I don't know, it's, it's so hard to explain these things because they have yeah, to be felt for sure. There's things that, you know, well, rather, for, you know, for yeah. sure, 100%. Like it, yeah. Sorry, Bill. It like the, um, I mean, you and I spoke for hours about this whole thing and it was funny when you, when you sort of mentioned, you know, have you read the the power of now? I was like, oh yeah, fuck. We um, that was an interesting, interesting moment. But the I guess the big thing when when you and I were speaking about it that we both agreed on was the fact that you can find God, but God in that context doesn't imply any religious undertone whatsoever. Like I think that yeah. I think like you know, religion in my perspective is like the human way to try to understand spirituality and trying to understand just that subjective feeling, that unique feeling that we all have with ourselves when we're at peace with ourselves is something you can't put into a church or put into a, you know, for, for what I believe anyway. But the, um, it's, um, yeah, it's definitely a tough thing to kind of talk about because it's like, you know, people that haven't really experienced it kind of go, what the fuck is this guy yeah, on? It's, a, it's, you know? a, it's a something that as I think I find like, uh, I find even all my school buddies, yeah. like, you know, I'll go drink, I catch up my my high school mates and it's like just a beer drinking session. Yeah. What have you been up to? Oh, well. Just been you know, fine to myself. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, you know, um, just moved to this new part of the city and, and you know, I've got a bit of a routine now, you know. And it'll, the, it'll go on to the, the point where I'll talk about like, if I talk about the fact that I write a gratitude journal every day, yeah. I meditate every day, you know, it's like people Loser. think that shit's weird. Like, people think it's weird. Oh, people they think do, weird. man. Like m- most of the guys that I grew up with, uh, absolute legends, best guys on the planet. I love all my mates, love yeah. them to death. We're doing them for them. But, you know, a lot of old school thought processes, I think, and a lot of kind of stubborn manliness and, mm. and, and even not even manliness, just like I totally agree, agree with you, Jared, like the, the hesitation to, to talk about some of this stuff because like my mum used to always be telling me because I'd, I'd be going through little bits of anxiety when I was younger, never like to the point where it was a real issue, but like even just... Um, just growing up as a kid who was just a little shithead, yeah. she would always want me to meditate, always telling me, all you need to do is close your eyes and focus on your breath. And I would just, and she'd talk about, she'd also talk about chakra and your aura mm. and like this and that. She'd write into that. Grab, grab this crystal, you'll turn into a dragon, <laughs> like all this, all this. Like, <laughs> yeah. real, real you'll stuff. turn into a but, dragon, that's awesome. But, um, but I used to always, I'd be like, mom, Fuck off! Yeah. I don't oh, want any did of this. You actually, say that? No, no, you know what I mean. Like, fuck off, you like, bitch. <laughs> no, but you know yeah. what I mean. Like, I don't want to listen to any of this hippie shit. That's what yeah, I was saying. Yeah. And that's yeah. like even to like five 100%. years ago. So I think the fact that we're talking about it on a podcast that mm. we're like everybody, everybody's 
I feel like becoming more awakened as a general populist. Well, do you know what I, I, I feel think? Like? I think it's um, I, I think I think anything you do or any value you hold highly in life comes from a need to have done it in the first place. And we are we are all three of us people that have experienced anxiety severely in one way or another. And in in feeling the the low. And I'm not saying like none of your mates have never felt that because I'm sure mm. they have, you know. But like in feeling how how low you can get in life, you, you don't you, you don't come to wish, you know how oh just fuck I wish my life was so much better than this. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you start you to crave that. Yeah, you don't. Uh, I, I agree. I, like yeah. when I when I uh, I was probably uh, we're all we've all talked about all this stuff over the last what, little little period, but. Yeah. When I broke up with Jill, yeah. that was the worst period I've probably ever been through yeah. and for about six weeks. And the good thing is for me, to your point, the silver lining was, mm. I, was I was like, all right, well, fuck, I'm fixing all this shit that That's, I need to fix. It comes from a need to fix it. That's yeah, right. yeah, you know, yeah. like it comes from a, from a drive to like, all right, if I had just been plodding along, going yeah. through the motions, whatever, you have to go through, yeah, the absolute worst to get to the absolute that's best right. you know and, that's and, that's, right. and it comes through work like I'm not I, I've been doing lots of you know stuff obviously working on myself and I'm mm. feeling quite happy and like Jared mentioned content or maybe at peace was probably the, mm. the right word because that's what at the end of the day everybody everybody wants like you mm. can talk about happiness and you can talk about happiness is kind of like I don't know it's fleeting and it's kind of like pleasure driven you know what I mean like you just want you really just want to be content I think, I think. If well, you're content, then you just, fuck, there's nothing. If you're mm. content and you're at peace, then what, what is there to worry about? Yeah, I think you have to find what works best for you to make you happy as well. Mm. And like for, for me, that's, you know, kicking goals, trying to kick goals in my life. Mm. But yeah, it's definitely, if you if you haven't experienced the worst, you, you, you're you not going to get that want or you're not going to have ever experienced the best because mm. you don't know what the best is. Mm. So for people to, to just sort of cope through life... Um, in their own little sort of content or whatever, content little element. Of course they're not. And this is in no way a stab to, to these sorts of people, whoever they are, because like, you know, they, they may be super happy with themselves. But if you don't sort of understand or if you've never experienced such a shit form, you're never going to want that. Because mm. you're never going to... Does that make sense? I, I think I, I think we're all on the same page. Yeah. But yeah, we're starting to yeah. maybe yeah. go around in circles a little bit. But Yeah. So guys, um. anxiety is all about, you know, I mean... You, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. good, good, good point there, Tommy. Yeah, thanks, mate. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, what's next for you then, anyway, Jared? So, I mean, you're a man that um, really likes to discover more about himself. Like we've talked about, um, you know, I, for me especially, ayahuasca is uh, something that I've always really, re- really want. <laughs> well, he can talk for himself, mate. We've got him on the line here. <laughs> um, but. Um, but because uh, everything you you mentioned there it sounds like, and and I can't wait till I can actually speak firsthand about this rather than obviously talking about what other people have told me. But it sounds it sounds very um sounds very much like people <laughs> talk about um, the experiences they have with ayahuasca where they feel like everything everything just clicks and life becomes simple because you've seen the other side and you know we don't me and you Tommy don't know what that other side is we haven't been we haven't had ayahuasca none of us have but like what's um you got any plans to keep trying to expand your horizons with your mind or or anything else with your training or like you know what's next for you <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um and you know it's funny uh I honestly um I've looked into ayahuasca trips uh since we talked about well I've, I've actually looked into it a decent bit before we talked about it in uh when we were in Mexico and then after you talked about it, I actually Googled it quite a bit and looked, looked at it. And, um, 
it's something that I'm definitely interested in mm. at some point. But and Tom and I talked about this. It's something that I'm in. Like, so I've never done a psychedelic drug before. Um, I've Either. only ever smoked weed, mm. uh, and I, and I don't do it uh, like recreationally, or I, I do it recreationally, but very, but you know, not often. Mm. Um, but I, I, you know, in my my wanting to do it would come out of like looking for something within myself, you know, and, and, uh, kind of turning off the blocks of my mind, um, and, and potentially looking for other things. And, um, the way it was, so the Vipassana course that I went to, and Tom and I talked about this a bit, um, there was a, a lot of people that went to that Vipassana course had done, uh, either DMT or ayahuasca yep. and things of that nature. And one guy, um, who uh, started explaining it to me, he said, uh, drugs, psychedelic drugs like ayahuasca or like DMT are kind of like a hack to show you the end goal or like the end, like the destination, you know, mm -hmm. show you that oneness with everything. Um, and then it gives you like a glimpse of, of like the end. And then you kind of have to create your path or walk the path through things like meditation. Like, um, you have to then put in the work to achieve that. Right. So it kind of yeah. shows you where you're trying. It, it's like, it's like showing you the end goal and it's like, okay, now I know where I'm trying to get to. And then you need to put in the work through meditation and things like that to try to get there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it's something. So, yes, uh, ayahuasca is something that I've looked into that I'm interested in doing to, to try to expand myself more. But something that at the same time I'm incredibly, incredibly afraid of, yeah. which makes which makes me in a way want to do it more because, you know, really the only way to grow yourself in life, you know, and, and your question was about how to expand myself and one of the, the best things I've learned from training over the years is that, uh, through adversity, through struggle is where you get better, you know? Um, so the things that you're afraid of doing, so like competing, like competing as a kid scared the shit out of me, you know? And my dad, I'm so grateful for him, you know, as being my coach growing up. I mean, whenever I was afraid and whenever I was, you know, uh, didn't want to compete because the nerves were getting me, he was like, Hey, you know, like you need to do this. Like, you know, you can't quit. You've got to keep going. And, and working beyond your fears and going through those mental struggles to get to get better and you know doing something like dm or dmt or ayahuasca scares the shit out of me because i don't like not being in control mm. and you know the, the question for me is like okay do i need to let go of control to be able to you know get beyond this this block you know that's that's within me that's this fear of 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 letting go of control and would doing something like that help me grow you know would i become better for that or, you know, or would I not be? I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, or so it's, it's definitely something that, um, that I've considered. And, and so here's an interesting, uh, a very interesting, another, uh, quote or saying, so to speak that, uh, I, I picked up in a book called, uh, the way of the peaceful warrior. It's written by a guy named Dan Millman. He's actually a world champion, uh, it, gymnast. And, and I can't remember in what event, um, it's a pretty popular book. It's actually been turned into a movie now. Right. And one of the things that, uh, it's just, it's a book all about um, him and his his path to kind of spiritual enlightenment as well as like it, in regards to his athletic career, which is what drew me to it in the first place. And one of the things that his his um, teacher said to him was, uh, so Dan was going to practice one day, uh, or or his his guru was watching him at practice gymnastics practice one day, and he said, Dan, like you're an elite you're an elite gymnast, and Dan says, thank you. And, uh, the guru says, um, that's, that's not meant to be something good. That's an insult because you're not a master yet. And then he goes on to explain that an elite athlete, um, 
practices hard and, and works hard in the gym, but a master of, of a sport learns to apply the things that they learn in the gym to their life, right? So mm. instead of just everything in their life being directed towards their sport, the things that they learn in their sport, like being in the moment, like working hard, like never quitting, um, and applying that to life is what makes you then a master, uh, a master at your sport when you can turn what you've learned in the gym to your life. Mm, and so yeah. what I've been trying to do now is apply the things that I've learned, um, over the last 15 years of becoming an elite athlete is how do I become elite at life? You know, how do I, how do I, you know, be successful at life? And, uh, I'm trying to apply those things to my life now. And what I'm finding is, um, just, just more happiness, more, more peace in life, more, more, uh, being content and not content in the fact that, you know, I'm giving up or not goal driven cause I'm absolutely goal driven, but just, just being happier and, uh, living a more fulfilling life. Hey, um, do you think the so? Do you think you can gain spiritual enlightenment not just from DMT and ayahuasca? Because we spoke a lot about how I wanted to, um, you know, talk about my experience with the mushrooms and stuff. And when you when you spoke, to me, I think we were walking just back from CrossFit Homeless um, in Player when we started talking about how um, you know you see uh, psychedelic drugs is giving you that that sort of end end part of the path and you have to start it's like up to you to meditate or to, to do whatever to sort of get yourself there in the end but for me like when I when I did that big um, big shroom session because I've done oh you know I've, I've done a whole lot but like I've done some mushrooms and a thing of LSD and stuff but when I did those that, that big amount of shrooms it was just all it was just all shit house. Like I never <laughs> I guess I guess I, I, did, I, I eloquently said uh, yeah, I, I, that was a that was a <laughs> That was a shit sandwich, and you took a huge fucking bite. <laughs> it was shocking. Yeah, I mean they taste awesome. But I mean, I, I didn't go into it thinking that I'd sort of meditate or get some enlightenment. Or I just did it just to get kind of fucked up. <laughs> you know, but looking back on it, like I wrote about all this in the in my book, and like I, I um really really met, spent some time you know um, evaluating it, and I still for the life of me can't think of what I saw and how that would have made me because right now I'm, I'm the happiest I've ever been in going through all that anxiety out of it and, and coming to the other side but I can't see how the shrooms actually showed me that path like did um did your did your conversation with this guy um elaborate on any of that or as far as um seeing drugs as being well, the key to enlightenment or yeah. seeing well, the end to, goal or what set in, it's all the set setting and the intention you know well, yeah. like you're going if you I go, went in with if, the wrong intention if, for if sure. you go if you go and everyone will say this as well and like i say we're all basically keyboard warriors in this in this regard because we haven't really delved into a lot of what we're talking about personally yeah. but like people will say you know if you go to go to an ayahuasca ceremony to get fucked up you're gonna get fuck all from it yeah you're gonna but get nothing from was, it yeah you know? whereas i got a lot from it like it changed my whole life for the better yeah, but isn't that because not not isn't that due to the fact that you just had a really bad trip because you went in there to get fucked up and you had a terrible time and then you came out of that and you're like that was really bad. Like it wasn't like the actual experience showed you anything. It's just like that was fucked. I want to. It, it it was it was really fucked, but it also it so basically the way I see it, I ignorantly had a lot of anxiety as a kid. Um, a lot of anxiety, anxiety, anxiety up until about this time. So I call it in the book the worst eight hours of my life. Mm. And um, it was shocking. And I didn't realize it at the time, but it opened, it literally opened the door to a flooding of anxiety and mm. depression and OCD. Mm. And then from that, that's when I 
when I learned it all. So it wasn't just like, it was a really fucked up experience and then I had anxiety. It kind of opened the door to all these underlying issues I didn't know I had. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you So if you ask me my opinion, what I would say is that I don't think, I, I don't think that the drugs ever, I don't think any drug will give you spiritual enlightenment. I don't think it's that easy. And I think that what, you know, what my, and again, like, like, uh, doc said, we're all just kind of keyboard warriors here. You know what I mean? We're yeah, not fucking sure. experts. We're just three dudes who are interested in this shit and yeah, dabbled, you know, that's right, yeah. but, but you know, my, my assessment of that is that you just had a traumatic experience mm. and, and you were fucked up after it and you wanted to fix yourself. So you went within yourself to figure out the source of your problem. So like, for example, I mean, that's to me, the fact that you had a traumatic experience with mushrooms would be no different than someone having a traumatic car experience, you know, mm. traumatic car accident where their buddies die in the car and they're fucked up and anxious and whatever. And they had to just kind of search within to kind of figure out mm. like how to fix themselves, you know, or, um, I, you know, I mean, there may be, there's obviously no two circumstances are the exact same, but sure. I think you just had a traumatic experience with yourself and you had to go within yourself to find the answers to, to fix it. And I think, that's what it's all about is yeah. uh, going going within yourself um, to find the answers to your problems. And that traumatic experience brought all your problems to, to the surface that you then had to kind of figure out. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think, really point, I don't, yeah. I don't think drugs will ever bring about enlightenment. Mm. Um, I think they can give you glimpses of it. And in your experience, it, it gave you a traumatic experience that you, that you then had to go within to work through. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd have been de- depressed and fucked up and, you know, you're not a – you're not the type of person, you know, after, after meeting you, you're not the type of person who's just going to be okay with feeling that, you know, yeah, yeah. you, you want to figure that shit out and that's what you did. And so that, that's kind of my assessment. Yeah. That makes, of, that of makes tons of sense actually. And look, I mean like in being where I am today, super happy and all this sort of stuff, I don't really feel like I have, I mean, you guys talk about how you want to get onto ayahuasca and all that sort of stuff. And the only, the only incentive I have to do it is because I love the idea of facing all forms of fear and I have a little fear of doing that shit. Because I'm like, uh, you know. What if the worst case happens what if it, again? What and, if it happens and, again? And, yeah. You know, what if I have to go through all that again? And look, I'm prepared. I'm prepared to do that, you know, but I don't feel like there's something missing in my life to the extent that I really need that. No, I don't think, I, I don't think you should do it then. It, yeah. I, I've said it to you before. We've, we've discussed it a little bit before, but, but I, I, I feel like the way you talk about it is like, maybe just leave it until there's a point in your life where you feel like you do want to do it. Yeah. Because if you don't want to do it, then why are you doing it? Because That's right. You, and it's not like it's something that you want to conquer the fear of swimming in the ocean because you want to start surfing. Yeah. It's like, it's just, it's something yeah, it's that's there like, that it's like, it's just not worth you, you doing, I don't feel like. Yeah, yeah. You know? like, it's, for me, it sounds, for me personally, it's kind of like, I really want to conquer this fear of like, putting my arm in a fucking bloodthirsty shark mouth. Like, oh yeah, that yeah. sounds good. It's like, oh, I've got yeah. my fear but yeah. now I don't have an arm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's right. That's what I mean. It's, there's, there's fears that you, you should conquer for the betterment of your life and there's fears that you have that <laughs> you just fucking steer, steer well clear of. Man, I fear biggest... the Kraken, bro. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've got the biggest fear of suicide. You know what I'm going to do right now? <laughs> I'll leave that, leave yeah. that joke alone. Oh, that's yeah. So um, yeah. what else, Jack? What's uh, what's news, mate? What's, um, <laughs> what's news? <laughs> what's news? That's the first. That's normally it happens at the start of the show, mate. Yeah, I know. But let's uh, <laughs> So you read the power now. You just finished. What was that book you were reading over in Mexico? Uh, which one was I reading? I think I was reading. Um, I think I was reading the way the peaceful warrior, the one that I was uh, referring back to uh, here a little bit ago. I think that was the one that I was reading in Mexico that I finished up here. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago, I guess, right after the trip ended. So that is a, that is a great book. I think that's a great book for athletes that are struggling. Um, 
you know, because that, that book just ties it in, you know, the power of now is a phenomenal book and it really, um, just, uh, blows your mind to a lot of new things. Um, and, uh, the way of the peaceful warrior, um, it really kind of ties things in. So mm. for athletes, um, looking to better their life, um, and better their performance through adding in like a spiritual essence, uh, is it's phenomenal. It's, yeah. it's just a great way of putting it all together. And, and in the book, um, you know, Dan, the, the world champion athlete there, he, uh, uh, he gets into a wicked bad car accident, has to have surgery. He's out for several, you know, like six, eight months, like very similar to my my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it was very um, inspiring and it was like a call to action for me. And it's helped me to act and move forward uh, by looking at the similarities between his experience and mine and seeing uh, inspiration from that and parallels and being able to go, oh, so he went, he did this, went this direction. So, OK, I want to. You know, maybe if I try that, that'll help me. And and to be honest, and, and I don't talk to this ab- about this with a lot of people, um, but you know, it's been you know, going through the surgery has been, I mean, honestly, like at times depressing. I mean, I'm not a depressive, you know, I'm a I'm a happy person, but there have been a lot of times I have felt some of the most extremes, uh, like depressed states, anxiety, uh, fear, frustration, anger, uh, rage, all kinds of emotions since this surgery. Um, and I've really been trying to fucking dogfight my way out of it and figure out, um, how to get my mind right, my, my, you know, and, and get back, um, you know, climbing back up in life and sports and just in life. And, um, it, it's been hard and reading books like these and, and, you know, reading them for knowledge, but reading them for inspiration to act has been great for me. Yeah. What advice would you give? Um, we're, we're probably going to wrap it up. As soon as Jared get you out of here, but what, what advice um, would you give somebody that's gone through the same stuff that you went through? Obviously, be they a very elite athlete, be they your average um, weightlifter, crossfitter, cross country skier, whatever. People that you know go through that traumatic injury to keep their mind and their body um, in a decent enough place. What advice do you have from what you've been through? Man, uh, if I could go back, so the best way to answer this, in my opinion, is is what would I go back and tell myself? You know. Mm. Like if I could go back and tell myself uh, things in hindsight that I know now, you know, would be what I would tell someone else. Um, the the biggest thing I would tell my go back and tell myself is that you know, um, just be happy and relax. You know, mm-hmm. I was so like I spent so much time being stressed, anxious, uh, trying to fill my plate with a bunch of bullshit stuff to keep me occupied. You know, I I would go back and tell myself to just do my best with my rehab and just relax and just, just go with the, go with the process. Um, and I would have, I would have found, uh, Vipassana much sooner. You know, mm-hmm. I would have, if I'd have known how strong of an impact that would have made on me, I would have went and done a Vipassana retreat, you know, like right after surgery. And then, uh, just spent the next six, seven months really meditating a lot and, um, just getting my mind right. Because honestly, the biggest, the biggest struggle I focused after surgery wasn't physical. It was completely mental. Getting my mind right was, was fucked. And, and the, the therapy part's easy, you know, for an athlete, especially who's used to training, that shit's easy, you know? So, you know, there's, there's no advice to give an elite athlete on getting your body right that they don't already know. Um, what they don't all know, you know, from my experience is that the mental aspect of, of that. And my advice would be, 
Um, honestly, uh, if you, if you're willing to do a Vipassana retreat, fuck, do it, you know, cause that's, that's great. The other thing would be is, um, just, just learn, just everything's okay. And, uh, you know, just, just go with it trust and, the process. um, yeah, tr- trust the process. And, and honestly, I would, I would learn meditation. You know, if I, if I, again, if I could go back and tell myself, I would have been meditating that entire time because meditating, uh, not only is, is healing your mind, but you, your body will heal faster. You know, you can set your intention, you know, and, and, um, and, and I'll, I'll just get into this briefly. You know, I know we're wrapping up here, but you can essentially, you know, through meditation, the Vipassana style of meditation, um, you're kind of linking the bridge between your conscious and subconscious, and you can actually go in and become more in tune with your subconscious. And just through your, uh, intent and your, um, uh, directed, uh, um, will or directed, you know, subconscious, you can actually increase the the healing process, you know, so you can actually recover faster, heal better from these injuries and things like that. So not only for healing your mind, meditating could also help, help you with the healing process faster. Um, so I would recommend from my own experience, I would recommend for anybody who's going through a Tremere or Tremere, a traumatic <laughs> experience, a traumatic injury would be to, to find meditation, and make that a daily practice in life while getting back to two hundred percent. And also, I mean, also too, just from a biological standpoint, Bill, we're gonna have to cut this bit out. Oh, let's go, Bill. Now we're we'll fucking leaving this in. Bill cracked up before, and then just snot rocket all over the front desk. Yeah, <laughs> nice. It was actually gone. Oh, I'm so God. embarrassed. It was such a deep conversation, and I laughed when he said something. Then oh, fucking... just snot rocket all over the fucking desk. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's oh, funny. I'm cutting this shit out. I'm definitely cutting it out. Oh, no. Definitely... Um, Wait a minute. Um, no, just from a biological standpoint, you know, if you're more if you're more stressed in that chronic amount of cortisol in your body. Like if you can work 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 to ways to you know decrease that amount of cortisol either by meditating or what you said just relaxing more um, testosterone HDH it's all going to be higher in your body so you are going to scientifically recover better anyway you know I absolutely agree with you it's it's funny because my my advice would just be to myself would it be just have fucking fun and just relax and enjoy the break sure. but for people who are so ambitious you know like myself that is so fucking hard to do so. If I went back and told told myself that, then I wouldn't even know how to have done that. Yeah. So the only way t- for me to have learned how to do that would be through the Vipassana course. So um, I, honestly, like my advice would be do a Vipassana course and learn to meditate because it's going to make the process of rehabbing way easier because you're going to know how to relax, how to just chill out and just be in the moment and be fine with it, you know. So that would be my advice. Very, uh, very sound advice, my friend. Well, Jared... Mate, it was great to catch up with you. Um, yeah, I'm sure our paths will cross again. We'll have to get you out on another trip and uh, yeah. catch up in the US when we're over there. Um, I think the the trip that we went on, I had just the most amazing dinner conversations, oh, dinner yeah. table conversations, the shit we were talking over there. And I think it all kind of ruminated between, uh, between our three minds because yeah. they're so... Strange and kooky and whatever, and I love. Basically, I love, we've all had sex. <laughs> I love yeah. having, um, I love having, um, having conversations with you because you're a very fucking smart and deep dude. So, thanks for, um, thanks for coming on the show and sharing a bit about what you've, uh, what you've been through, and I'm sure some people get a, a lot out of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, definitely can't wait to hang out again. Had a blast with all you guys in Mexico. So, for anybody listening to this, uh, 
the uh, the Adventure Fit Travel uh, trip to Mexico was a blast, and these guys are great. And I would highly, highly recommend jumping on a trip if you ever get the opportunity. Man, so much fun. Good stuff. Hey, Jared. Before before we quickly uh, cut you off, where can people find you? Yeah, so uh, you guys can find me on Instagram at jaredf94. Uh, that's where I put most of my regular content up. Um, social media, just Jared Fleming, Fleming, F-L-E-M-I-N-G. Um, those are going to be the best two places for you guys to uh, to find me. And I'm, I'm really accessible. So if you ever have any questions on anything we talked about, anything like that, definitely don't hesitate to hit me up. All right. Good on you, brother. Good to talk to you. All right, boys. Take it easy. Okay. Yo. All right, guys. We hope you enjoyed that show. We love Jared Fleming. And as we spoke uh, at the end... We'll uh, we'll definitely get him on for a for an in person show, and uh, we'll just keep the uh, the bond strong, guys. If you have any questions or uh, things you wanted to you wanted us to elaborate on, don't be afraid to shoot us an email. So my email is tom at adventurefittravel.com. Bills is obviously doc at adventurefittravel.com. You can also give us a rating and review. Just leave your comments and stars, obviously five stars, um, on the uh, on the iTunes uh, page where you go and download the show. Uh, guys, head to www.adventurefittravel.com. You can join up for the, the mailing list there, mailing list there and keep up to date with everything Adventure Fit Travel. Head to quashcreative.com. Guys, remember, if you, uh, if you mention Adventure Fit Radio, Shawnee there will give you a free basic SEO report on your website. And Audible Trial, please head to audibletrial.com forward slash radio to get your, your free book. Guys, finally, I wanted to mention we have a Bali trip. So the Bali and Gili Islands trip coming up. There are still tickets available um, for this one coming up from the 1st of April. Bill and I will be leading leading that one. Carl Paoli will be on the trip. So get your gymnastic stuff ready. We're definitely going to do a podcast with him. He uh, He's a genuine leg and manine. And we also have a Thailand Kotao trip with Dimitri Klockoff coming up. So get your tickets. Uh, head to www.adventure.com. My God, www.adventuretravel.com for all the latest and greatest. Otherwise, we will see you next week. Bye-bye.